Blog Talk Radio. Praise God and welcome to Brawl Talk Radio. We have Evangelist Janice Taylor here. And I tell you, it's going to be a real powerhouse tonight. This is going to be a, a really powerful sermon tonight. If any of you who are caught up into sexual sins, if any of you who are caught up into sexual sins need to hear this, without further ado, for the next one hour and 59 minutes, undisturbed, evangelist Janet Taylor. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is the evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. We can be found on the web at www.wallsoffiredeliveranceminn.com. Our uh, snail mail address is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105. If you are led by the Spirit and are being blessed by this teaching tonight, we would like to invite you to sow a seed into this ministry. And I want you to know in advance that if you sow, you are sowing into good ground. I am living what I am teaching. So the uh, the address to sow is through PayPal or Zelle, and you can use the email address jet245 at msn.com. You can also join us Monday through Saturday um, at 12 noon for the sweet hour of prayer. Jesus told his disciples, can you not pray with me for one hour? Most people uh, don't have a prayer life, and they need somebody to kind of jumpstart their prayer life. So you can join us at 12 noon, Monday through Saturday, for one hour of prayer, and then at Sunday night at 8 p.m. The number for the sweet hour of prayer is 425-436-6333, and the code is 716-5050 and the pound sign. So we're going to go ahead and pick up where we left off last week um, with the Sleeping with the Enemy Teaching Part 2. I promise you I won't finish it tonight. There will be a part three next week, and then we will conclude this teaching. But I want to backtrack a little bit because I understand that a lot of people don't know anything about the deliverance ministry. They've never heard of deliverance. And so one of the biggest questions that I hear is, what is deliverance? They thought after they got saved, that was it. They didn't need anything more. Some people uh, go to Bible study. Some people join these uh, little groups in the church and uh, these cell groups, and they say, I thought that was it. But you're finding out that even after being saved some 5, 10, even 15, 20 years, that you still got some serious issues. I can tell you right now that you need to be delivered. So I'm going to explain to you before I even get into the teaching, what deliverance is. Deliverance is the removal of demonic and tormenting spirits, oppression, spiritual oppression, and physical uh, depression. Now, uh, a young man called me tonight, 
and told me that he realized uh, why he is being, uh, he's not able to sleep at night. He's getting sleep, but no rest. He said he wakes up in the morning and he's still tired as if he didn't get a wink of sleep. He said, and the Lord revealed to him that uh, the enemy was coming to him at night after uh, being asleep for a few minutes, and the enemy was tormenting him and taunting him. That is the spirit of oppression. That demon, that coward demon, or shall I say those coward demons, uh, are attacking this brother uh, in his sleep. And uh, they, 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 they're coming against him, tormenting him with nightmares and wild and crazy dreams. And the brother wakes up. He is a brother in the Lord. He is a minister in the gospel. And he wakes up just as tired as if he did not get any sleep because he's getting sleep but not any rest. So those demonic oppression to come and uh, taunt and torment him in his sleep. The Bible tells us that the thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. So those demons are stealing uh, 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 rest from him. So according to Mark 16 and 16, demons must be cast out. Now, a lot of people uh, have never heard of deliverance, so they don't know anything about casting out unclean spirits. As a matter of fact, a popular trend today is counseling. People are uh, becoming Christian counselors. Now, I'm going to tell you something about that. The Bible does not tell us to counsel demons. The scriptures tell us to cast them out. And we have been given power and authority, which I talked to you about last week, that power and authority given to us by the Holy Spirit to do just what Jesus said. Jesus would never tell us to do something and then did not, would not give us the power and the authority to do so. So let's look at Mark 16 and 16 to see what the scriptures have to say, because I don't want you to hear me. I want you to hear what the Lord says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, that is in the name of Jesus, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the scriptures clearly speak of casting out demons. It says nothing about counseling a demon. When people call themselves going to Christian counseling, they're trying to counsel a demonic spirit. A demonic spirit cannot be counseled. It must be cast out that we need to understand. And a lot of pastors, I'm going to say this, a lot of pastors are unequipped 
to cast out unclean spirits. They either don't believe what the scripture says or they are living a sinful life. Now, I'm going to tell you something about that. If you're living in sin, you cannot cast out a demon. Simple as that. You cannot cast out a demon. Now, I'm going to go one step beyond that. You cannot cast out a demon if you are not spirit-filled. If you're not spirit-filled, you cannot cast out a demon. Free man to free a man. I have been to jail many times. I've shared this testimony on this platform many times, how I used to be in and out of jail, in and out of prison. I was a prostitute on crack, and the Lord saved me and delivered me. My deliverance came after my salvation. After I received salvation, that's when God began delivering me from things, from unclean spirits. And the Lord let me know that even though I was saved, I needed to be delivered. I needed to be delivered from all of the unclean spirits that had entered me through sexual immorality. That was the door that I opened through drug addiction. That was another door that I opened unknowingly. I did not know these things when I was doing these things. And the Lord let me know after he saved me that I needed to be delivered. When I found out about the deliverance ministry, I wanted to be delivered, and God began the process. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It is a process. All deliverance does not happen overnight. It is a process. So God led me to the scripture, Mark 16, 17, and 18, to let me know about the deliverance ministry. I remember the very first time. I had an encounter, and I knew it was a demonic encounter. I went to my pastor and told him about it. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. But nevertheless, I knew something had happened to me that I didn't want happening to me. And I went to my pastor, and he told me exactly what to do. I obeyed the man of God, and guess what? They prayed for me and cast that unclean spirit out of me. Glory be to God. And I got to give God all the praise. So I'm going to open this teaching tonight with what is deliverance. Now, I told you you need to take notes because I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. When I'm teaching on deliverance, everything must be backed up by the word of God. I cannot give you my opinion because my opinion is worthless. The only thing that matters is the word of God. And I'm going to give you an example. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil, but he did not use any of these Christian cliches that are floating around uh, 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 in the body of Christ today. Your breakthrough is on the way. Uh, uh, get ready, get ready, get ready. Uh, it's your season. Uh, your best life now. He did not use any, won't he do it? Uh, 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 
He may not come when you want him, but he'll sure come on time, God. Jesus did not use any of those Christian cliches. What Jesus used to defeat the enemy was the word of God. Simple. He said, it is written, and he quoted the scriptures. And the enemy was defeated. He left slithering away just like the lowdown serpent that he is. He had to slither away. After he had tried Jesus four times, the Bible says he left him for a season. You see, that's how that He slithered away in defeat. He realized, well, I can't get nothing started here. He had to get out of there because Jesus, who is the word, used the word against him. So if you're going to uh, uh, be a deliverance minister, you're going to have to have the word in you. You're going to have to abide in his word. He said in John 15 and 5, if ye abide in me and my word abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be given unto thee. And abide does not mean just drop by or uh, 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 visitation. Abide, the word abide means to dwell, and it speaks of habitation. It is to remain, to continue. So if you abide in him and his word abides in you, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done. Let's get back to this teaching. The deliverance ministry movement, it actually, Jesus started the deliverance ministry. He was the first one that ever cast out unclean spirits. And in Acts, the apostles practiced deliverance when the church was first birthed. But later, as people strayed from the scripture, uh, this biblical teaching on deliverance, it dissipated. Derek Prince who is known as the father of deliverance, revived the deliverance ministry in the 1960s, and it has become widespread. People know that something is wrong with them. It is not natural. It is not, it's not, oh, that's just how she is. Oh, that's just how he is. No, it's not that. That's a demon, and it has to be cast out. Glory be to God. Now, the scriptural basis for deliverance comes from Ephesians 6. So let's go there. It's Ephesians 6 and 10. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. He would leave his word here in the earth for us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you think individual that's coming against you, but it's the demonic spirit in that individual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the what? 
the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So you got to wear this gospel. You got to wear it. Glory be to God. You got to be dressed for success. You got to be armed and dangerous. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And above all, taking the shield of faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me tell you something. If you want to cut the devil's head off, you need the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yeah, you need the sword of the spirit because you got to cut the head of the serpent off because Satan is a liar. He's going to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy, and he is the father of lies. So if you want to cut his head off, you have got to be full of the word. All right? There are four important elements of deliverance, which are removing legal rights through repentance and renunciation, taking authority over unclean spirits, and then binding and casting out demons, pulling down strongholds and inner healing. There are different types of exorcisms which remove demons from people, houses, property, and even animals. To be delivered is to be set free from bondage. All, uh, after all, salvation, Christians need to be delivered from whatever it is that they were into. After you get saved, you need to be delivered. And it's so sad that uh, a lot of churches don't embrace deliverance. And therefore, the people come into church and going back home the same way they came. They come in, they jump, they shout, they run Jericho laps around the church, and they carry on. But then they go back home, and the same demon is there waiting on them. Matter of fact, the devil is laughing at them. He's laughing at a church that does not believe in deliverance from demon spirits because he can have a field day in that kind of church. This includes your habits, your addictions, mannerisms, and lifestyles that are not in accordance with the Holy Scriptures. Christians need to be delivered on a daily basis from anything that does not produce godly and a fruitful life because that's what God intends for us to have. He told Adam and Eve to go forth and replenish the earth, be fruitful and multiply uh, to replenish the earth. So God intends for us to go forth and reproduce. Everything must reproduce after its own time. So if you deliver, you're going to reproduce that in the earth. And a lot of ministers who don't embrace the deliverance ministry, they, they got uh, uh, the people are drinking uh, 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 contaminated water and eating stale bread. That's what it boils down to. They're not getting delivered. They're not getting set free, and some people even leave here. They die and leave here with those same habits. And you think, 
oh, that's just the way he is. No, that's a demon. Now, Jesus' blood paid the price for our salvation. But if you want to be delivered, that's only going to come through activating and utilizing the dynamic power and azusia power of the Holy Ghost. Demons must be cast out. And the only thing that a demon is bound to obey is the word of God. Jesus said this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. So if you don't want to start praying and fasting, and you find these churches, they never fast and pray, and the church is full of demons. Sometimes it's even in the pastor. Glory be to God. Deliverance is for everybody, but the individual must want to be delivered because only a free man can free a man. Now, let me explain what that means. You see, I've been in jail many times, but I was an inmate. I didn't have the keys. I could not let myself out of jail. As bad as I wanted to get out, I could not let myself out. It took somebody who was free and had the keys, God Almighty, had the keys to unlock the door, unlock my cell, and let me out of jail. Only a free man can free a man. Uh, a young man called uh, a couple of weeks ago, wanted to know could he deliver himself. I told him, no, because you're not free. How are you going to cast the devil out of you when you're not free? You see the absurdity. People don't know what to do concerning deliverance. Christians are lazy, and they don't like to pray and fast. They neglect the word of God, and they don't really have a prayer life. Most people, they they, they, they uh, trying to uh, uh, get it like you do at McDonald's. You know, you pop right in through the drive-thru, and you come out on the other side, and bam, you got a burger and fries, and you got a drink, and you got it all in 15 minutes. But let me tell you something. Deliverance don't work that way. There is no drive-thru in deliverance. You're going to have to spend some time in a deliverance session, and it can get real ugly. It can get real ugly. So if you're in a hurry, you, you, you might as well wait till you got some time. Another thing, people not spending any time in prayer. See, if you're not spending any time in prayer, then you certainly are not fasting. You're not fasting. So you, you want something quick. You want somebody to wave a magic wand and say, poof, you're delivered. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. You, as a matter of fact, you didn't get messed up overnight, and you're not going to get delivered overnight. And then when a deliverance minister is willing to take the time with you, you want to put that deliverance minister on a time constraint. I, I, I'm in a hurry. I, I got somewhere to be. Well, then you need to go ahead and, and, and go where you need to go and be where you need to be. And when you get tired, when you get tired of those demons, then you call us back. Okay? Demons are comfortable in their house, and they don't want to be evicted. So you, it's going to take a skilled deliverance minister to evict those devils. First of all, the individual, you have to have, you got to be ready. 
You got to be ready. You got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. You got to say, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to live this way anymore. This is it. Now, when you reach that point, you you ready to be delivered. But a lot of people are playing with deliverance. You know what they do? They call and say, are, are you a deliverance minister? Well, you obviously know that. You called my number. Well, uh, I, I got this problem. You know, a young lady called me one time and told me that uh, she had this problem. And I, I inquired what it was and everything. And she said that uh, she was a chronic uh, masturbator. She she was involved. She was hooked, addicted to pornography. I said pornography. I thought that was a, a, a something men were hooked on. And I said, uh, how so? She said uh, she could be at her job and uh, get this urge, and she would go in the bathroom, pull up pornography on her phone, masturbate in the bathroom, and then come out, wash her hands, and go back to work. I was shocked. I had never heard such a thing. So um, I was talking to her about it, and then before I could even finish, she told me, I I need to get on with my ministry. I said, your ministry? She said, yeah. Uh, she wanted to uh, work with women with substance abuse issues. I told her, honey, you don't have no mi- no ministry. You need to be delivered. She said, well, I talked to an old mother in the church, and uh, she told me I'd be all right. And so I, I told her, I said, look, honey, you called me. I didn't call you. So you obviously know you need to be delivered. I said, but you cannot lay hands on anybody. You cannot even counsel anybody because you are full of demons. You need to be delivered. She had a lust demon. She couldn't even control it on her job. But she wanted to go and start her ministry. I said, my God, people don't understand. You cannot play with this stuff. You cannot play with this. Those demons will do you worse than they did the seven sons of Sheba. She's trying to counsel people about drug addiction, and she's full of demons herself. That don't even make any sense. Only a free man can free a man. You must fight for your deliverance. You must declare war against the enemy that is invading your life, your home, your marriage, your ministry, your job, your family, your body, even your finances. You must draw a line of demarcation in the sand and say enough is enough. Now, when you get serious, when you get serious about deliverance, you'll know. You'll know when you're ready to be delivered. And And a real deliverance minister will ask you the right questions, they'll know if you're serious or not. Because a lot of times people call, I, I think people just want somebody to talk to. Sometimes they just call my number and say, start asking me questions. Why are you asking me questions? You call me. I didn't call you. So when they are serious about be, being delivered, people say, well, uh, 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 I'll call you back. I tell them, when you get ready, when you're serious about getting delivered, you call me back. One guy, he called me back two weeks later. You know why? 
because them demons was whooping up on his head. And he did get serious. Yes, he finally got serious. All right. Spiritual warfare is to fight aggressively against the enemy using the spiritual weapons that God has given us. Second Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5 tell us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now, what does that mean? Because I know you've heard this. You've been in church a while, so I know you've heard that. In other words, we don't use the weapons that we used to use. You know, we used to cuss somebody out when they got on our nerves. Uh, we used to slap somebody upside the head. Or, or, or some people took a gun, and, and, and they knew how to make you scatter with a gun. They say, make them dance, make you get out of here with a gun. We don't use those weapons. First of all, spiritual warfare is just what it says. It's spiritual. You cannot use natural weapons. Cussing the devil out, that's not going to make him flee. You can't hit him upside the head because you can't see him. And you can't use a gun against them. So we cannot use carnal weapons. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, some of the spiritual weapons of warfare that believers can use to defeat the enemy. You can use them uh, separately or in combination. The greatest weapon is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our greatest weapon against the enemy. Next is the word of God. If you don't have an appetite for the word of God, you will not be effective as a deliverance minister. You will not be. As a matter of fact, you will be defeated as a deliverance minister. Then we have the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous can run in and say we are saved. And then Jesus told us, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, it shall be done. So when we pray and we pray in the name of Jesus, we have victory in the name of Jesus. The song says there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. All right. Then we have prayer, fasting, the Holy Spirit, worship. If you really want to give the devil a headache, begin to worship the Lord. Just start worshiping him. Not play worshiping, but I'm talking about in spirit and in truth. Worship the Lord. Worship him. Let your soul begin to worship God. Praise and faith. Do you know that the devil is a liar? And he is constantly bombarding our minds with lies. The devil will tell you, uh, you're getting ready to die. The devil will tell you, uh, you're not going to get that job. The devil will tell you, they're talking about you. The devil is a liar. You cannot believe anything he says. And I'm going to tell you something. 
Don't even let the devil talk to you. Don't even give him permission to speak to you. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Pull down those thoughts. When the devil tells you you're going to die, you tell him what the word of God says. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You know what you just did? That's giving God back his word. And the word of God will not return unto him void. It will accomplish what he sent it to accomplish. The word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it will smite the enemy. You want to cut the head of the snake off, use the word. Glory be to God. But you got to use it in faith. Glory be to God. You got to use the word and add your faith to it. Now, if you don't believe it, ain't nothing going to happen. Ain't nothing going to happen. This is how we pull down strongholds. Believers must activate their faith when the Holy Spirit is ready to work. You got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, what I see is people cooperating with the devil. The doctor give a bad report, and they begin to cooperate with the devil, saying what the doctor said. But the doctor said he ain't got but three days to live. You know, they said that about my cousins back in 2015. They gave her three days to live. I refused to cooperate with the devil. Her sister and her children, they were all sitting around crying and going on. I, I had to get out the hospital room. I said, I had to get out of here. They wanted a funeral. They were touching her to see if she was cold. No, she ain't cold. She's still alive. And I never heard God say anything about no three days. So I waited till they got through carrying on, and they carried on and carried on till late on that night. And they asked me to pray. When they asked me to pray, I told them, y'all got to get on one accord. Y'all got to get this mess right. They were not even speaking to one another. They were so mad with one another. They weren't even speaking to one another. Unforgiveness in their heart. I told them, God ain't going to do nothing till y'all get y'all heart right. They repented, and they made up with one another, and then I was able to pray, and God moved. Do you know my cousin lived seven more years? The doctor said three days, but God gave her seven more years. I'm going to tell you something. Never let a doctor give you a death warrant. Never. Never let a doctor give you a death warrant. Never let a doctor number your days. Never let a doctor number your days. Too many Christians are being defeated because they are not fighting back with the word of God. They're just simply allowing the enemy to attack, and he's violently beating them down. They sit up and say, well, the doctor said, I got this. The doctor said, I got that. The doctor said I ain't going to make it. The doc- Don't tell me what the doctor said. Tell me what the scripture says. What did God say? He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. He ain't got no word in him. 
That's why they get around these hospital rooms and they get to crying and going on. That's why Jesus, Jesus put the naysayers out the little girl's room, Talitha Cooley. He put them out. He put all of them out that kept saying that little girl was dead. Jesus said she's just asleep. They laughed him to scorn. He put them out the room. He only let the parents be in it, the mother and the father, and he called that little girl's name and said, Arise, and she woke up. And he said, Give her something to eat. So you got to put them kind of people out the room. Put them out your situation. Put them out your circumstances because they will start speaking things that cooperate with the devil. And you got to stop in these negative things. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about the power of the word. The word of God is the believers, is one of the believers' greatest weapons. You see, Satan is a cruel, unmerciful, and relentless taskmaster. But we have the word of God, and if we use it, the enemy will be defeated and we will walk in victory. A believer who is full of the word is a strong Christian. But a believer who is, uh, is, is, don't have no word in him, the devil is laughing at him. And a church that ain't got no word in them, all they can do is hoop and holler and say, yow, all that old crazy stuff. They ain't got no power. They ain't got no power. Can't even cast out a toothache demon. Satan is sitting in there just laughing. Antics. Uh, 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 theatrics. They got the lights, the cameras, and no action, and no power. Let me tell you something. You have to be able to declare, not in my house. And I'm not saying just say that. That's a, 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 a Christian cliche. I'm saying you got to get to that point where you say, I'm not having this. You have to command the devil to leave. Jesus, Jesus knew the word of God because he was the word of God. And the devil, he gave him the word each time he tried to tempt him with something. And the Bible says the devil departed from him for a season. I want to use this analogy about uh, uh, the Christian that's full of the word and the Christian that ain't got no word in them. It's like this. You got two pit bulls, and you put them in a fence together, and they get in a fight. Which one you think going to win? It's real easy. The one you feed. So the Christian that's full of the word, that's been feeding, feeding his soul, feeding his spirit with the word of God, that Christian is a strong Christian. He don't fall to pieces every time somebody says something. That Christian knows how to take things to the Lord in prayer. But you got this Christian over here always watching TV, always on the phone, always playing uh, video games, ain't never got no time for the word, always gossiping, uh, 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 always gorging on food, ain't never fasting, ain't never praying. That Christian is a weak Christian, and the devil is weighing them out. Every time they turn around, it's one thing right after another. You see, 
When Satan strikes, your flesh is going to respond. But Jesus already told us that there is no good thing in the flesh. So if you feed your spirit all day with the word of God, worshiping, praying, and fasting, and praising God, when the enemy attacks, the spirit is going to win because that's what you've been feeding all day. Jesus defeated Satan with the word of God, and he said, it is written. John 6 and 63 says, my word is spirit and life. The word of God will win the battle every time. And I'm going to tell you something. You say, well, we got the word, we got the word. You can't run and grab your Bible in the heat of the battle. You got to have the word in you. And some people, they ain't got no word in them. They don't even know uh, Jesus well. You got to be full of the word. You got to be full of the word. This is why Joshua was told to meditate on the word of God day and night. Be strong and of a good courage. He said, don't look to the left and don't look to the right. Because God promised him. He said, I'm with you, and I will be with you wherever you go. And he said, wherever the sole of your foot tread, Joshua, I have already given it unto you. I've already given you that land. So when Joshua saw the children of Anak, and they were giants, Joshua was not moved by that because he had a word from God. You see, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. God is not going to tell you everywhere that the sole of your foot shall tread, I have already given it unto you. And then when you see these giants in the land, uh, God's going to duck out on you. He's going out the back. No, God don't do that. God already knew them giants was in the land. But he gave you a word, and the word is everywhere that the sole of your foot treads, I've already given it unto you. That means I don't care if the giant is in my land. When I get there, they got to get out. It's just like the job. I don't care who's sitting in my seat. When I get there, they got to go. I told the Lord when I went to college, I was getting my bachelor's degree, and they um, had offered me a scholarship. So I applied for it. And um, I got a letter in the mail that I did not get the scholarship, but I was number 12 on the waiting list. You know what I told God? I said, God, that just means you got to bump 12 people so I can get this scholarship. Two weeks later, I got another letter. They said, we are proud to let you know that you have received this scholarship. I said, God, I thank you. So he did what I asked him to do. I asked him to bump 12 people that was on that list. And guess what? He bumped all 12 of them, and I got the scholarship. I couldn't follow pieces just because they sent me a letter in the mail. That first letter was Satan. That was his lie. He wanted me to tuck tail and run. He wanted me to give up. He wanted me to say, well, I tried. No, I told God, well, you just got to bump 12 people so I can get this scholarship. I walked by faith and not by sight. Two weeks later, I got the scholarship. What if I had quit? What if I had given up? What if I had said, well, this letter said, 
I wouldn't be who I am today. But I had faith, faith enough to stand on what God told me. So I got the scholarship. All right, let's keep moving. Prayer plus fasting plus the word plus worship equals warfare. I'm going to say it again. Prayer plus fasting plus the word plus worship equals warfare. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And the curse causeless shall not come. That's Proverbs 26 and 2. You shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done. Ezekiel 14 and 23. All right, let's get started here. The enemy, we know that we have an enemy. Most people don't know nothing about him, though. They don't know who he is. And um, you can't even fight if you don't know that you got an enemy. A lot of times people get betrayed because they didn't know this certain individual was really their enemy. That's why you got to have spiritual discernment. You got to pray and ask God to reveal things to you. He can uh, 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 David said he is the revealer of secrets. I mean, Daniel, I'm sorry. Daniel said he is the revealer of secrets. So let's, let's, let's look at this. An enemy is one who harbors hatred or malicious intent toward another. He is one who opposes or works actively against a person or cause. Your enemy is your adversary or a foe. He is a hostile power or a military force that's coming against you. Now, the word enemy is in the Bible 108 times. Let's look at the enemy's characteristics. He is a liar. The Bible says he's a liar and the father of lies. He is subtle. He's crafty. He's tricky. He'll trick you into something. He's attractive and appealing. That means he will lure you into something or seduce you into believing something and following him. He's enticing. He's attempting and seductive. That is his characteristic. Let's go a little bit further. What are the three things or three modes, modus operandi that he uses? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every sin known to man can fit in one of those three categories. It's going to be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. First Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain fornication, and that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor and not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. All right? Satan is the enemy of the believer's soul. The reason Satan hates you and me 
is because we were made in the image of God. So that's the number one reason that he hates us. But there's a second reason. Satan also hates us because of the place that we can occupy, the place that we can go, that he used to occupy, which he can never go back to. You and I can go to heaven. We we we're gonna spend time around the throne in the presence of the Lord, just worshiping him. We're gonna be with the holy angels and all the other saints of God, and we will be in God's holy presence forever. Satan was once there, but he got cast out. He rebelled against God and he got cast out, him and a third of the angels. And he can never go back there. So he hates us with a double hatred. He hates us because we are made in the image of God. And then he hates us because we can go to heaven and he can never go back there. He was kicked out. He was stupid. He rebelled against God and he got kicked out. Now, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's what the Bible tells us. He is jealous of the believer, and he is destined for the lake of fire. We as believers have been given the privilege, I mean it's an awesome privilege, don't take it for granted, of spending eternity in heaven with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So make no mistake about it. Satan hates you if you are a born-again believer. And there are, you know, we're we, we dealing with culture now. We, the culture of today, uh, there are three major sins in our culture, uh, uh, in today's culture. Um, it's idolatry. People are worshiping uh, material possessions, worshiping money, worshiping of the people, worshiping their children worshiping their uh, uh, possessions. They are worshiping anything other than God. Then another sin, another major sin of today's culture is sexual immorality. It's widespread. And we know it's widespread because of abortion. The abortion rate has skyrocketed. And then there is the other sin of murder. Spirit of murder has been unleashed every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Somebody is being murdered. Satan has turned up the heat. He is using sex, money, and music, and idolatry to infiltrate the church and trap believers. Now, we got to learn how to see sin from God's perspective. Uh, sin is nothing but rebellion and selfishness. Sin screams, I want it, I want it, I want it. According to the word, sin is death. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. It causes death. 
both naturally and spiritually. Sin will separate the believer from God, and the enemy is still whistling in man's ear, have God seen it. The soul that sinned, it shall die. That's Ezekiel 18 and 4 and verse 20. Romans 8 and 13 says, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Sin is death. Sin is always going to result in death, either the death of the guilty sinner or the death of an innocent substitute. Christ has already paid the penalty for sin. There's no more sacrifice for sin. Now, when God sees sexual sin, he sees it as rotting and putrefying flesh. Sexual sin is the only sin that a man commits in his body against his own body. Sexual sin is associated with idol worship. In ancient times, nations were known for their idol worship and were heavily involved in sexual sin. Many worshiped these idols because they believed that they could produce uh, fertility. They called, they thought they were fertility gods. Asherah, um, that's found in uh, Ezekiel 8 and 5, was a sex goddess. And women worshipped her because they believed she could give them power to conceive. I talked to you all last week about the Midianites who um, worshipped Baal Peor. And that was, uh, Baal Peor is a false god that reversed the order of God to women worship. And Baal Peor means Lord of the opening, which refers to the woman's vagina. Oral sex and lesbianism stem from this. Women use oral sex to seduce, entice, and entrap the men. These Midianite women lured the Israelites away from the commandments of God through sex. Now, strip clubs, that's the modern-day uh, temples of Baal. And the strippers dance around the pole, which symbolizes the penis. And the Midianite women erected their poles with their idol on the pole and danced sensuously. They danced uh, 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 into uh, uh, the Israelite men into a frenzy. And uh, today's stripper uh, represents the temple prostitute. All right. I told you about Flo Rider. I told you about uh, Lil' Kim's video. Um, let me tell you something. I want to talk to you, give you an example of someone that was um, brought down through sexual sins. Um, first of all, you need to know that you can't witness to nobody if you're sleeping with them. You can't tell nobody about Jesus if you're sleeping with them. They will not hear you. They will not believe you because they say it's not even working for you. So you have to get delivered from sexual sin to be able to witness to people. Now, a lot of people are trying to witness to people whom they are sexually involved in. And the devil, I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's sitting back laughing at you. All right? Because sexual sin makes the believer unusable to God. God can't use you if you're in sexual sin. Samson... He was uh, engaged in sexual sin with Delilah. 
and uh, she was a seductress, and through fornication, she brought him down. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16 and verse 19, and she made him sleep on her knees. Delilah seduced Samson and rendered him completely. He was so weak, he was weaker than water. When the Philistines came in upon him, he couldn't even fight because, first of all, she had weakened him through sexual immorality, but also they had cut off his hair, so he lost his power. He was anointed by God to be the last judge of Israel, but Samson um, had not surrendered his flesh to God, and uh, he sinned against God. He disobeyed what God told him to do. Now, the devil knew his weakness, and that was the very thing that he used against him. Samson's weakness was women, and that's what the devil used against him. Now, the devil knows your weakness, too. I'm going to tell you how he knows. You've already told him. Most of the time, people sit up and tell the devil everything he needs to know about them. See, the devil is not omniscient or omnipresent like, the, like God. The devil only knows what you tell him. So when you sit up and say, yeah, I like this, and I, yeah, I like it like that, oh, the devil's listening. He's listening. Samson fell short of God's holy standards by marrying a Philistine woman, consorting with a prostitute in Ghana, in Gaza, and then finally shacking up and fornicating with Delilah. Now, what that Philistine woman could not do uh, and the prostitute in Gaza could not do, the devil launched a missile at Samson when he sent Delilah. And the name Delilah, I did some research on it, means to suck or sap the life out of. That's a python spirit. Yeah, that's the spirit of python. The spirit of python is in the church today. It's a snake. It's a, it's a serpentine spirit, and it is constricting. It squeezes and chokes the life out of its victim and makes it very difficult. So the more you try to get out of that python's grip, the tighter he squeezes until he squeezes the very air. He'll crush your lungs. He'll crush your ribs. And, and, and suffocate you that way. That spirit is at work in the church today, and it is suffocating the life out of the church and the people of God. And um, it, 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 uh, that spirit is operating. It's the spirit of Python. Glory be to God. So uh, I, I want to just briefly touch on that spirit of Python. Um, we see the first, the first place we see it is in Acts chapter 16. Now, let's look at that. I'm glad you asked me because that's where we first see that Python spirit in Acts chapter 16. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And the Bible tells us uh, about her. Acts chapter 16 and... He's in the beginning of the chapter. 
This woman made money for her um, for her um, owner. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this. Starting at verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. There it is right there. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. Now watch this spirit. She followed after Paul and the men that he, that were with him, and she said seductive things uh, about them. In other words, flattery. She had a lying tongue of flattery. She said, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Now, she told the truth, but look at what she was doing. She did this many days following behind them. She was operating in that spirit of Python. She was trying to uh, uh, get them in her grip, glory be to God. And she operated in the spirit of divination. Divination in the Greek, uh, the word uh, means puthon, which is where uh, Python comes from. Uh, from Pluto, uh, the seat of the famous oracle was located a python by analogy with the supposed diviner, inspiration, soothsaying, or witchcraft. So what is divination? Divination is the art of obtaining secret knowledge, especially of the future, is a pagan counterpart of prophecy. It's not genuine prophecy. All right? Now, look at Numbers 22 and 7. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hands. To divine is, uh, is soothsaying, is to use soothsaying. And the Bible says something about that, Deuteronomy 18 and 10. It says, there shall not be found among you any that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of the time or an enchanter or a witch. So the spirit of Python is the inspiration. It is the source of witchcraft and divination. And... Uh, this, uh, in this town, uh, they worship uh, this goddess, Diana, and uh, we know all about that. But this, this, this slave girl was possessed with the spirit of Python, which is why she did this every day, crying after Paul and them. And she was telling the truth that these were the men of God, but it is the manner that she operated in, and where she got this knowledge from. She got it through divination. All right? Now, 
Delilah seduced Samson both spiritually and naturally. She used her body to break him down mentally and physically, but she also seduced him into telling all her secrets, all his secrets. She operated in the spirit of divination. She seduced him. She sucked the life out of him. She rendered him powerless. He was weak as water. Delilah employed her sexual power to lure, entice, trap, and then devour this mighty man of God. Like a spider lures a fly into its web. This is what this damsel was doing in Acts chapter 16. She was trying to lure Paul and the men of God into her web, and they wouldn't have it. Paul turned around and cast that spirit out of her. Did you notice I didn't say Paul counseled that demonic spirit in her? No, he cast it out. This sexual demon is known as the spirit of Python, and it squeezes and suffocates the life or the spirit out of its victim. It slowly kills, and then it devours its victim. The church today is being squeezed and suffocated because the spirit of Python is sucking the life out of her right now. Yeah, the, the spirit of Python is in the church. If you, if you watch what's going on, you'll see it operating. You'll see it operating in the church. I saw this spirit in a dream. And I actually saw this python. I saw it. I saw a huge gray python at uh, my sister's front door. Yeah, I saw this spirit. I also saw it a second time. I saw it uh, when uh, Pastor Zachary Timms died. God showed me the spirit that killed him. It was a huge python. He was wrestling with it. And it metamorphosed into a cobra. The thing was, it was, first of all, it was a tiny little red snake. Then it changed into a great big old python, and it had a cobra's head and long fangs. And I saw that spirit kill that man of God. I saw it. God showed it to me. I fell on my knees. I said, God, search me. You see, these things are real. But we got so many church folk that don't believe in demons, don't believe in deliverance, don't believe in the spirit world. And the devil is having a field day with you. Your pastor can't cast out a demon. Your assistant pastor can't cast out. The deacons can't cast Can't nobody in there cast out a demon. You know why? Because they're full of demons. Full of demons, full of lust demons. There's so much sexual sin in the church right now. It's unbelievable. If it were not for the intercessors, those that are standing in the gap for the church, who could stand? Who could stand? God destroyed 26,000. He allowed fiery serpents. To bite the children. He, he, he allowed a plague to come. 
and destroyed 26,000 Israelites because they got involved in sexual sin. God does not take sexual sin lightly among his people. The world can do whatever the world wants to do, but God expects his people to be ye holy, for he is holy. And when Samson, when Delilah finished with Samson, they bound him in chains, which symbolized he was enslaved, and they put out his eyes, which also meant that the light had been taken away. And that meant that the glory of God had departed from him, which was the spirit of Ichabod. When these two things happened, Samson's death was inevitable. How can the believer see without the light? Leviticus 6 and 13 says the light in the temple must never go out. The light in the temple had to burn perpetually. And in so many churches, there's so much darkness. Samson was playing with fire and he got burnt. To the believer who is dabbling in sexual sin, I want to give you a warning. You are playing with fire. And the word of God says, can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? That's Proverbs 6, verse 27 and 28. Sexual sin is not to be played with because it's like playing with fire. We cannot play with fire. Everybody knows fire burns. Christians are to travel on the highway of holiness. We can't afford to walk on the dark side. You can't you can't dabble in that you you can't you can't be on the highway to holiness and every now and then make a trip over to the dark side you can't do that you're playing russian roulette with your life you see the flesh represents the world the believer we live in the world but we are not of the world through faith in the atonement of the shed blood of jesus the flesh and the spirit are perpetually at war. They are enemies, staunch enemies. The carnal mind is enmity with God. Romans 9 and and 8 states, they which are the children of the flesh are not the children of God. So many people say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. You are not. The Bible says you are to whom you yield your members. You're feeding your flesh carnal and worldly things so the flesh is winning. But if you nourish your spirit man with the word of God, which is our daily bread, the spirit will win. This is why believers must constantly feed on the word of God, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Christians can't afford to sit around watching all sorts of ungodly TV programs. You can't afford. You know what? So many Christians are saying they're going to hear Beyonce. How can you do that? This woman says she got a, a, a demon spirit in her named Sasha. Sasha Fierce, 
who causes her to dance like that. Let me tell you something. This woman has uh, 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 has dressed herself as Baphomet. Now some of y'all say, "Well, that's just that's just Hollywood. That's just what that's just showbiz." No, you can't play with those things. No believer have no business uh, 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 dressing themselves as Baphomet. Christians can't afford to sit around listening to this uh, lick me up and suck me down music. Christians can't afford that. It's going into your spirit, man. You can't grow. You can't mature spiritually if you are constantly piping all of this garbage into your spirit. When you do, you you actually give yourself over to the flesh. You're sitting around uh, 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 listening to all this profanity in these movies. You, you can't do that. Can you take fire into your bosom and not be burned? If you're going to watch television, watch something that has a G rating. In most cases, television, computers, and cell phones are what's distracting us from the things of God. You you can't even spend time in the Word because you spend more time on Facebook and on Snapchat and Instagram. So when do you have time for the Word? Beyonce, listen to this, y'all. Beyonce has a song on her new Lemonade CD in which she states, I plugged my menses with pages from the holy book. That is blasphemous. You know what she's saying? She used the pages of the Bible while she was on her menstrual cycle, and, and she used that to to catch the, the uh, 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 the um, her menstrual cycle. This is not only blasphemous; it's sacrilegious. And y'all say y'all going to see Beyonce on her world tour? I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that. When a Christian wants to go and hear this ungodly music and see this ungodly performance, she is not worshiping the Lord. She is not saying anything to edify Jesus Christ. She's not exalting him in any way. Sexual sin brings reproach upon the name of the Lord. Sexual sin is not just about you. It affects the whole body of Christ. That's why Paul said in the fifth chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, when he found out this man had uh, had his his father's uh, wife, he, he said, and you you let him continue to stay in the congregation. He said, put such a put such a one out to church. Turn his flesh over to Satan that his soul might be saved. You can't allow that to stay in the church because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. See, after a while, everybody will be in sexual sin if we let this stay in here. But we don't want to turn nobody out anymore because uh, tithes and offerings. 
And nine times out of ten, the people that's doing this stuff, they ain't paying no tithes and offering no way. They ain't sin. How they going to pay tithes and offering and they ain't sin? They don't abide by the word of God. They just come to church. Some people just religious like that. They just come to church. Sometimes the devil sent them so they can see what the believers are doing. The scripture says, you have caused the enemies of the Lord to, to blaspheme the Lord. See, when people do these things and they bring reproach upon the name of the Lord, they cause God's enemies to blaspheme his holy name. Succumbing to sexual sin can cause you to forfeit your divine purpose. Sex must not rule or govern a believer. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. When David was in sin, God sent a prophet to him. You better beware when God sends you a prophet. So I want to share a few terms with you tonight before I close, and then we will um, we will resume this teaching um, on next week. We'll pick up for part three. We've covered quite a lot tonight. So I want to go over a couple of terms and definitions with you. A covenant. A covenant is a legal and binding agreement. The purpose for a covenant is protection. Covenants cannot be broken except through death. And all covenants are cut in blood. Covenants are not to be entered into lightly. God honors covenant. The salt covenant is one covenant that symbolizes the eternal covenant relationship between the believer and God. The salt covenant is indissoluble. God designed the marriage covenant to be between one man with one woman. Uh, marriage is a very serious thing. And the salt covenant was a part of marriage in the Old Testament because when two people got married, it wasn't just two people that got married. It was two families. They put their possessions, their livestock, they put all of that came together. So whatever they owned, they they put it all together. It was family that became one family. And they prospered that way. They operated that way. They understood covenant, and God blessed them that way. And what they would do was they would take salt. Both families would take salt and put it in a pouch together and shake the salt pouch up. So there was no way possible that my family could pick 
uh, get its grains of salt back and no way that the man's family could get his grains of salt back. So it was an indissoluble covenant. They made vows, dowries were given, and, 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 and it was permanent. Marriage was more about two families becoming one. Property, livestock, money, and material possessions were exchanged. It's impossible to take back your, your um, grains of salt. And that exemplified the impossibility of dissolving the marriage. Marriage was about family. Now, there are two types of covenants. There's a marriage covenant, and then there's a business covenant. God made the very first covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. Boundaries, God's boundaries. Marriage was the only provision that God made for sex. It is the legal, lawful, holy, and righteous parameters for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. God set boundaries for the moon, for the sun, for the waters, for the seasons. He set boundaries for everything. The elements, they obey God's law, and they do not go beyond their boundaries that God has set for them. If they did, there'd be chaos in the world. To engage in sexual uh, immorality outside of the covenant of marriage is to trespass, to violate the boundaries that God has set in his word. Unhealthy relationships. What is an unhealthy relationship? You see a lot of that today. Unhealthy relationships is any relationship that's outside of the will of God. It is negative in nature. It does not. Um, um, it, it does not. Uh, it does not align with God's word or God's will. And unhealthy relationships include being unequally yoked, believers with unbelievers. And so there are so many desperate women who want a husband so bad that they are willing to give anything in pain. Such relationships always end up in deep emotional hurt and pain. His victims are left with feelings of failure, anger, depression, and brokenness. Some have even committed suicide at the end of unhealthy relationships. Any relationship that involves sex before marriage is unholy, and it's unhealthy because it is rooted in lust and disobedience. Anytime you add sex to a relationship, you compromise the strength of the relationship because sex clouds your judgment. Sometimes unhealthy relationships can be friendships. They can just be platonic friendships. And sometimes God has to remove people from our life because they are negative and toxic and simply just not good for us. 
They are not headed in the direction that God has taken us in, so he will move them. God will remove friendships from you that entice or control you or, or just they're just simply unhealthy for you. You know, there's always somebody that wants to operate in that spirit of Jezebel, want to control you. Let's talk about soul ties. Most people don't know anything about a soul tie. What is a soul tie? I'm so glad you asked. A soul tie is an invisible but strong spiritual bond. It's really a covenant that has been formed between a man and a woman during sexual intercourse. It is an obsessive affection for a person, which is often strengthened by sexual intercourse or blood covenant. When there is a soul tie, one's actions are compromised and controlled and even subject to those of the other person. That's witchcraft. Unholy union is formed between two people and is consecrated so that the two share one mind, one purpose, and one life. The Bible says the two flesh become one. And if you look at the anatomy of a man and a woman, that is exactly what happens. The two flesh become joined. One person is going to live for the other person. Soul ties may be formed between a man and a woman, a mother and a son or daughter, that's called the Olympus complex. And most of the time you'll see it between a mother and her son. That's when a woman is using her son to it's misplaced affection. Bible calls it unnatural affection. As she's using her son to replace the affection that she did not get from her husband. So all of a sudden, her son, she treats him like her man. She dotes on him. She worships him. She spoils him rotten, and he becomes a mess because she has placed all her affection on her son that she didn't get to uh, uh, place on her her man because uh, he wasn't in the picture. It's misplaced affection, and it creates a soul tie between a mother and her son. When a man or woman is being controlled and manipulated in the name of love, this is witchcraft. That's found in Galatians 5 and 24 and Galatians 6 and 17. Some men demand that their wives perform oral or anal sex. I, I met a young lady this way. She um, came to one of my workshops. She told me that her husband demanded, this was a Christian woman, demanded um, that uh, anal sex, that he, he, uh, he demanded that she, that she let him do that to her, sodomize her. And um, I knew right then he, he had an unclean spirit. He had an unclean spirit. And um, I said, well, did you ever say something to him about this? She said, yes. She told him she didn't like it. And he told her, now listen at this, he told her as a Christian it was her duty to do what pleases him. 
You see how the devil can lie? He tried to use her being a Christian. This guy wasn't even a Christian. He tried to use her walk with God to put her into bondage to him. She said she told him that she didn't like it and, and that it hurt. And he insisted on doing this to her anyway. He had the spirit of a dog. That's what sodomy is. Let me let me read something to you very quickly. Sodomy. Um, the word of God tells us in Deuteronomy 23 and 18 that the price of a dog um, refers to the wages acquired from male prostitution. So let me read this scripture first, Deuteronomy 23 and 18, if you need to hear what this says, and then we'll uh, get to the price of a dog. All right, here we go. It says, Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord. Thy God, for any vow, for even both of these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. So the price of a dog refers to the wages acquired from male prostitution. Since the activities that provided these funds were an abomination, the Bible says the money could not be brought into the house of God. So the price of a dog is when uh, it refers to unclean animals, which a dog is, and it was the wages that was required, um, that was acquired from male prostitution. So the price of a dog refers, God refers to the sodomites as dogs, which were considered unclean animals. Now listen at this. Sodomy is sexual intercourse involving anal or oral copulation. Sodomy is generally anal and um, oral sex between people or sexual activity between a person and a non-human animal, which is bestiality. All right, and sodomy is anal or oral sex, and in most countries, it's a criminal offense. The word sodomy acquired different meanings over time. Under common law, sodomy consisted of anal intercourse, and in most states, sodomy is a crime. Traditionally, courts and statutes refer to it as a crime against nature or as copulation against the order of nature. The crime of sodomy in the United States was classified as a felony. Medical definition of sodomy, it is anal or oral copulation with a member of the opposite sex or copulation with an animal. Sodomy refers to sexual intercourse that is not the union of the genital organs of a man and a woman. The term is most frequently applied to anal intercourse. Sodomy is a crime against nature. And any or various forms of sexual acts regarded as perverted, especially anal intercourse or anal 
uh, or sexual intercourse with an animal. Sodomy, anal or oral copulation with a member of the same or opposite sex, particularly that which uh, with an animal. So God said that the price of a dog should not be bought into the temple. This is what God said. All right? So this is when men demand oral sex or anal sex, this is sodomy. And God prohibits Christians from engaging in this ungodly activity. Now, I know some people say, well, I thought the marriage bed was undefiled. The marriage bed is undefiled. But there are things that you can do to defile that marriage bed. I want to tell you one of them right now. Uh, having, uh, they call it a menage a trois, having, uh, bringing in outside people in your bed, in your marriage bed. I worked with a, a, a man and um, I've known him for years. I didn't know he was like this. But uh, it, 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 got, it got found out that this man, him and his wife, had engaged in um, swapping. Yeah, they engaged in swapping. They would, they would get together with other couples and have sex. And um, she would, the, the wife would get with the woman and the man would get with the other man. So this is what they were into. And uh, they had been married for 12 years. And guess what? His wife left him for that other woman. So you cannot open the door to the devil and think he's not going to stick you with the bill. Yeah, that, that, that busted up their marriage. And then it turned around. He was a sheriff. He worked for the sheriff department and got fired because they got a, um, a young man working down at the sheriff's department doing an internship, and this sheriff took the young man home, and the boy ended up in the bed with the sheriff. And the guy came back to work and told it that him and this guy was having something going on. They fired him. They fired him. He was a sheriff, a local sheriff. So all of these things are against the word of God. And if they're against the word of God, you, you, you would think, well, times have changed society, but they didn't have it. They fired him. He had brought shame upon the sheriff's department. This was a young student, and he took him home and had sex with him after his wife had left him for another woman. He opened the door to that. So you can defile your marriage bed by bringing in other people that are not in the marriage. You can defile your marriage bed. Bestiality will defile your marriage bed. Incest, rape will defile your marriage bed. So you cannot say the marriage bed is undefiled. What is undefiled is a man having sex with his wife. God says that is undefiled. But there are many things you can bring in that bed. Uh, pornography, looking at pornography, that would defile your marriage bed. I know somebody don't like this tonight, but I'm teaching it because it's the truth. Bringing in 
outside uh, 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 equipment and tools, bringing in all those gadgets, that will defile your marriage bed. So you can't do those things. Christians have no business engaging in those things. Watching pornography. Christians have no business engaging in those things. All right, we're going to move on. I want to recommend some books to you tonight. I read some books. Um, I actually met this person. I met Dr. Rebecca Brown. I met her in New York. Then she came to North Carolina. She and I went to lunch together. Um, she wrote these, this book called He Came to Set the Captives Free. She wrote um, Prepare for War, and she wrote Unbroken Curses. I recommend, if you are serious about deliverance, I recommend you get those books. And um, I also recommend that you get um, Pigs in the Parlor by Frank and Ida Mae Hammond. Yeah, I recommend that you buy that book. That was the first book that uh, actually I read up on uh, on deliverance. And I'm going to tell you something. Somebody threw the book away, and I saw it. And I picked it up, and I just thumbed through it a little bit. And I said, I want this book. So I got it. They threw the book away. Pigs in the Parlor by Frank and Anna Mayhem. You need that book if you are serious about deliverance. And um, there's another book by Derek Prince. I'll tell you the name of it before we go off the air tonight. Um, you, you, you're going to have to invest. You're going to have to invest in these things. You're going to have to invest in these books. And I have another book by Frank Hammond called Repercussions from Sexual Sin. Uh, this book is talking about the sexual revolution and how it is wreaking havoc on the family, on the church, and on individuals' relationships with Jesus Christ. See, people are, are letting sex ruin their whole life. People are allowing that. They say, I can't help it. It's a demon. It's a demon that need to be cast out. You need to be delivered. So I recommend that you get those books um, if you are serious about deliverance. Now, soul ties cannot be broken naturally. You need to know that. Every person that you have sex with that person has made a deposit in your spirit, good, bad, or indifferent. And you just you can't break a soul tie naturally. It requires a trained deliverance minister, somebody who is spirit-filled, who walks in the power of God and knows the authority that they have been given. And when a person has had multiple sex partners, they, 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 they need to really be delivered. A soul tie is made with every person that you have had sex with. And soul ties create bondage. When I demonstrate that, 
I, I usually uh, uh, take out a chain, and I will wrap that chain around a, a volunteer so that they can see what a soul tie, how it's put in bondage that they can't get out of. And it must be broken. It must be broken through repentance and renunciation. And you have to have a skilled, trained deliverance minister. And the last thing I'm going to talk about tonight are doorways. Doorways that open, you can open these doorways, giving the enemy access to you. Um, And this is how the enemy enters people. There are five doorways. Now, they are the eye gates. I'm going to call them gates, for, for uh, but they the same way. They're either doorways or gateways. You have the eye gate. It's what you see. It's what you take in through your eyes. Then you have the ear gate. It's what you hear. You have the nose gate. It's an opening or an orifice. You have the mouth gate. It's what you uh, what enters your mouth, and then you have the uh, the the sex organ. Um, that's a gate. And then some people try to make another gate, but that's really not an entrance. That's an exit. But nevertheless, it has become a gate because people are using it improperly. I'm talking about the anus. There's the vagina gate and then people are using the anus as a gate. So what enters through those gates is what what actually defiles a person. Yeah, what you let in those gates, television, ungodly music, unhealthy relationships. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 6. All right, here we go. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? And what concord have Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Glory be to God in the highest. So you see, this includes abandonment, death, rejection, physical and sexual abuse. All of these uh, childhood traumatic experiences, all of these are, are, are gateways that the enemy comes through. A lot of stuff that happened to us as children 
uh, is what causes uh, the enemy. That's how the enemy got in. Uh, maybe you were molested as a child. Maybe somebody fondled you. Maybe you were abused, actually uh, sexually abused. Ever it is, those were doorways or gateways that the enemy came through. Maybe you saw uh, uh, something that you shouldn't have seen. That's a gateway. That's a gateway. And a lot of children are seeing these sex scenes on television today. Parents are, uh, are letting these children watch television uh, unescorted, uh, and, and so these kids are watching all sorts of stuff on TV in their room behind a closed door. I had a six-year-old little boy show me what his cousin was doing. He got up on the chair, he laid down, and he started hunching. He said that's what he saw them doing. Kids are seeing sex at a much younger age now. But those are doorways, and disobedience and rebellion is the number one doorway that Satan uses to enter the life of a believer. If you are walking in disobedience to the word of God or rebellion, you know something is wrong, but you persist in doing it anyway, that is the doorway that you have opened to the devil. Now, if you open the door, Satan's going to walk through it. Anytime you rebel against God's word, sin uh, is going to come through that door. There's going to be some sin. Unforgiveness is number two. That leads to most unexplainable sicknesses and disease. So I want to talk about these very quickly, that eye gate. What you see, TV, pictures, pornography, images, movies, videos, subliminal suggestions. You know, you have to be careful about even watching television now because some stuff will pop up on your screen just like that and it's gone in a second. And you're like, what? I know I didn't just see that, but it has left an image. Christians cannot afford to watch R-rated and X-rated movies. The Internet, there's stuff popping up on these screens now that is pornographic. A lot of men are being uh, overtaken. They're falling to sin because something popped up on their screen. He wasn't looking for that. He had no desire for it. Bam, there it was. It popped up on that screen. And the next thing you know, he was like David. He stood there. He saw it. Should have cut that computer right off. But what did he do? He sat there and looked at it. Then he lusted for it. The pride of the eyes, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, then came the pride of life. Be careful what you take through your eye gate. Parents, be careful what you let your children watch on television. Ungodly, I don't care how funny it is. Now, I'm going to give you an example. A lot of people let their children watch Tyler Perry movies. 
where he's playing the part of a woman. Madea. And I'm telling you something. It's funny. I've watched it when I didn't know any better. But God told me don't watch that no more. And I quit watching it. First of all, Tyler Perry makes mockery of the church. The second thing is he's been playing a woman for so long. I believe he's typecast. I don't believe he can be anything else. But why is this man playing this woman all the time? And, I mean, he's so good at it, it's like that's who he is. That's who he is. And the saints are sitting up just laughing at it. You're coming into agreement. You're cooperating with the enemy. You're coming into agreement with that for a man to dress like a woman. You're cooperating with the enemy. And you wonder how the devil got in your house because you opened the door and let him in. All right? I have uh, put together a book. Unfortunately, you won't be able to see it, but it is concerning uh, Walt Disney. Most people do not know that he was a pedophile. And uh, so the movies that he made, even the cartoons, especially today's cartoons, they are very sensual, very sexual. The spirit of perversion is embedded in so many of those cartoons. He created Disney World to attract children to satisfy his sick lust. Don't sacrifice your children to the God of Molech, Leviticus 18 and 21. Most people don't even know this because they don't do their research, but I do. Orlando, which is where Disney World is, has become been declared the porn capital of the world. I have the article concerning it. The spirit of perversion is the ruling territorial principality over Orlando. And when people are taking their children there, you are literally sacrificing your children. Everything that came out of Disney, all of the celebrities, the little young celebrities, Miley Cyrus, Justin Timberlake, uh, uh, Raven Simone, all of them, and and, um, Britney Spears, all of them without exception became perverted in some way, form, or another. Walt Disney was a pedophile and a 33rd degree Freemason. Most people don't know this. When they take their children to, to Disney World, you are literally without your knowledge, without knowing, because most people wouldn't do this if they knew sacrificing your children to this this false god. All sorts of, and, and they've had so many things at, um, at Disney where they have caught grown men and women trying to get people's children because it's a haven. It's where children gather. That's why all of a sudden uh, all of these pedophiles are starting to work in schools now. They have to be around children. They need to have access to the children. 
parents wake up, pray about these things. Pray about if If I'm wrong, you pray about it. But I've done my research on it. I've studied these things. The ear gate is what we hear. Sound. There are certain sounds that are being embedded in music to make you respond a certain way. It's called subliminal suggestion. Noises, tones, voices. There are things that are even being said in the background that you cannot hear with the natural eye, ear. The mouth gate. People are, let me go back to this ear gate. People are listening to this ungodly rap music. And Christians think it's okay. It's just a song. They pumping something in your spirit. Um, who was it that interviewed um, one of these rap groups? And he said how they they get so high, so they smoke so much weed and they get so high, and they listen to this music. He said after afterwards they could go and kill their own mother after they finish because they pumped it. They pumped that stuff into them. They just pumped it, just piped it in their ear. All right, let's look at this mouth gate. It's what goes into your mouth. Drugs, food, drinks, poisonous chemicals. Nicotine is a chemical. And most people who think vaping is not as bad as cigarettes Vaping is worse, and the federal government had to admit that. Yet they still sell the vapes. But you you have been warned. Vaping is ten times worse than cigarette smoking. Have you seen how much smoke comes out of that thing? I saw somebody vaping one time. It looked like Puff the Magic Dragon. It was so much smoke. That's got to be 10 times worse than smoking a cigarette. Unauthorized objects, body parts and body fluids, saliva, blood, gossip, cursing. What comes out of your mouth through one of the other gates? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The nose gate. What goes in your nose? Drugs, smoke, chemicals, vapors. That's a gate. That's a gate. That's a gate. It's an opening. It's one of the orifices of the body. What you put in that gate. What are you allowing in your gate? The sexual organs. What are you allowing? through your vagina or anus, bodily fluids, drugs, chemicals, objects, food. Some people even use animals. The role of the gatekeeper and the watchman. Gates open and close to lock things in or to keep things out. 
The gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And I'm going to close with this. The watchman says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word that I speak and give them warning from me. That's Ezekiel 3 and 17. I'm here tonight to warn all those who are listening to the sound of my voice of the impending danger. What you are seeing now, there will be dire consequences from it. The sexual revolution, it is not going to just go away. There will be consequences. As a matter of fact, we're seeing them now. Every single day, there is a shooting, a school shooting, the shooting at the bank, the shooting, all of this. All of these things are happening for a reason. These gates are open. People are allowing these things into their gates, and evil is coming out of those gates. And the gatekeeper was the one who the watchman, the watchman was on the wall watching, and he saw the enemy approaching. And the watchman yelled down to the gatekeeper and said, close the gate. Enemy is approaching. Pastors who are supposed to be gatekeepers are not watching, and they're not telling you to close the gate. This is Pastor Janet Taylor. I'm coming to you live tonight from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry. This has been a wonderful two hours spent with you on Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry. You can find us on the web at www.wallsoffiredeliverancemin.com. If you have been blessed by this, Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 